Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading Short and Deep, Dreamland by Edgar Allan Poe. Jesse, I'd really like to know why you thought it would be a good idea for us to discuss Dreamland. But then when I read it, I came to think, I really have to hear us discuss Dreamland because so many of the lines in this very haunting poem seem to me to mean one thing or something else. So if you're willing, not only would I be grateful if you tell me why you suggested that we read this poem, but if you'd actually read the poem out loud. I I know that reading out loud is sort of an act of criticism because you have to choose how to read any given line. But I really would love to hear how you read that poem. I'm happy to read it. it, This is uh, one of those poems that made me realize I actually do love poems and that all the people who said poems uh, uh, are great weren't liars and freaks (laughs) Um, because this poem is wonderful to read aloud i mean poe is wonderful to read aloud anyways but i think this one is particularly wonderful and um, i'm happy to read it so i'm going to read it this is uh first published in 1844 i think and um it's a wonderful poem it's dream dash land by edgar a poe here it goes By a route obscure and lonely, haunted by ill angels only, where an Eidolon named Night on a black throne reigns upright, I have reached these lands but newly from an ultimate dim Thule, from a wild weird climb that lieth sublime out of space, out of time. Bottomless veils and boundless floods and chasms and caves and titan woods with forms that no man can discover. From the dews that drip all over, mountains toppling evermore into seas without a shore, seas that restlessly aspire, surging into skies of fire, lakes that endlessly outspread their lone waters, lone and dead. There are still waters, still and chilly, with the snows of the lolling lily, by a route obscure and lonely, haunted by ill angels only, where an Eidolon named Night on a black throne reigns upright, I have reached my home but newly from this ultimate dim Thule. By the lakes that thus outspread their lone waters lone and dead, their sad waters sad and chilly from the snows of the lolling lily, By the mountain near the river, murmuring lowly, murmuring ever, by the gray woods, by the swamp, where the toad and newt and comp, by the dismal tarns and pools, where dwell the ghouls, by each spot the most unholy, in each nook most melancholy, there the traveler meets aghast, sheeted memories of the past, shrouded forms that start and sigh, 
as they pass the wanderer by. White-robed forms of friends long given, in agony to the worms and heaven. By a route obscure and lonely, haunted by ill angels only, where an eidolon named Night on a black throne reigns upright, I have journeyed home but newly, from this ultimate dim Thule. From the heart whose woes are legion, sorry, for the heart whose woes are legion, tis a peaceful soothing region. For the spirit that walks in shadow, tis, oh tis, an Eldorado. But the traveler traveling through it may not, dare not, openly view it. Never its mysteries are exposed to the weak human eye unclosed. So wills the king who hath forbid the uplifting of the fringed lid. And thus the sad soul that here passes beholds but through beholds it but through darkened glasses, by a route obscure and lonely, haunted by ill angels only, where an eidolon named Night on a black throne reigns upright, I have wandered home but newly from this ultimate dim Thule. Mm. And that's mm. the poem. Wow. So in my reading, did you see my emphasis? Emphasize? I I was trying to hear them. I I think I think it's, it was not as ghastly in your reading as I hear it in my own uh, my own head. I find it just as comforting, I think, as Poe does. It's it, all these horrible images, and it's a beautiful lulling lullaby. Wow. One of the things that that I find so powerful about this poem is that the harder I attend to individual lines, the the more I see that they could be read in different ways. Mm-hmm. For example, by a route obscure and lonely, haunted by ill angels only, where an eidolon named Night on a black throne reigns upright, I have reached these lands but newly. So I'm looking at this. Is it the root that is haunted or is it the speaker that is haunted? Hmm. Right? If it's the root that's haunted, maybe the, the speaker isn't haunted at all. Now, an eidolon is um, a phantasm. It's, it's just... Uh, some false thing. It's just an image from uh, from the Greek eidos, and and night is uh, is the Greek Nyx. You know the uh, one of the mm. the, the ur gods um, who creates all sorts of terrible things. Although one of them is dream. Dream mm. is the uh, the offspring of of night. So night sits on a black throne and reigns upright. Well. I could read that line as as night having um, an orthogonal posture, mm-hmm. but I could also read that line as saying that night is moral. Night is an upright monarch who rules on her black throne. On the other hand, if in fact night is a uh, 
a moral monarch. Uh, the associations of black with death and despair and so on are clear. And in fact, if night is an eidolon, isn't actually real, then the possibility of there being a place, a root that has upright monarchy controlling it is itself phantasmagoric. And so when the speaker says, um, you know, that he's here and certain people find this comforting. Maybe, maybe it's ironic. Maybe he doesn't really realize what's going on because after all, the king who rules that place has said that with eyes wide open, one cannot see it. It's only when the, mm-hmm. the fringed lid is not allowed to rise that it's possible. So one of the things that, that gets me here is trying to figure out whether a place obscure and lonely could actually be good because you'd rather not be with people or a place obscure and lonely could be bad. Are, are ill angels angels that have fallen ill or are they the bad angels like the angel mm-hmm. of death is an ill angel? Um, I, I can't really settle on whether this is supposed to be good or comforting or or disturbing well i think it's both (laughs) the the there's something that poe does and lovecraft does and i I think a lot of good poets do which is they make the double negative uh so that it gets both positive and the negative from it so you can't you cannot see the dreamlands with your eyes open but he doesn't say with your eyes open he says, you cannot see it with the unclosed eye, or without the unclosed eye. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting confused. He says, uh, it, never its mysteries are exposed to the weak human eye unclosed. Never will its mysteries be shown to an open eye, is what it means. Right. But because it's unclosed, unclosed means open. Why doesn't he just say open? Because he likes to rhyme out close. No, it's because when you n- you double negative, it becomes positive. And I think it, it, it comes out in the poem as well. He says, for the heart whose woes are legion, tis a peaceful, soothing region. How can this horrible land full of ghouls that eat dead bodies, it's right in there, in agony, friends long given to the worms and heaven well worms in heaven are not the same they're opposites but that's where people go and it's amazing it does both it's horrible and it's wonderful obviously i mean in english uh, double double words are can be used as intensifiers as well as double negatives becoming positives mm-hmm. um i I'm trying to picture the location of the speaker. Uh, I'm going to offer a reading here that may, maybe you accept it, but um, <laughs> I have a feeling that this isn't what most readers think of this poem to begin with. Um, in the first stanza, oh, I, I should say, by the way, as I was reading along my copy of the poem with your reading of the poem, 
Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah, there's a this. I'm using the original 19, 1844 version. There have been a few changes. Right, but all almost all except for two nouns, all the words are the same except that the last paragraph, uh, the last stanza gets used again along the way a couple of times. So mm -hmm. it's pretty pretty close, and and I I'm not worrying about that. What I am worried about though is worried <laughs> thinking about is the position of the speaker. Um, he says that, um, and I'm going to leave out some lines to make the, the grammar clearer. By a route obscure and lonely, I have reached these lands but newly from an ultimate dim thule, out of space, out of time. So these new lands, or these lands that he has reached newly, he has come to from a place that was out of space and out of time. Mm. And Thule is, of course, in ancient Greek philosophy, the absolute last possible place that there can be. Um, and ultimate, the very word ultimate means the most extreme, right? Uh, the, 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 the most extreme. So um, he is in these lands newly. Well, the way I read that, these lands that he is in newly aren't the lands he then goes on to describe. The lands he goes on to describe are the things that he saw when he was on that route obscure and lonely. And so when the poem ends with almost exactly the same line, lines, by a route obscure and lonely, haunted by ill angels only where an eidolon named night on a black throne reigns upright. I have wandered home but newly from this ultimate dim thule. I have wandered home. Home. The word wander, uh, it's not as clear in English as it is in some of the other Germanic languages. Verfandlung in German is actually the word for metamorphosis. It's the name that uh, is, that's the German name that Kafka gives the title of his story that we know of as Metamorphosis, although Metamorphose is the more common uh, German word for metamorphosis. Wandered means, of course, going without a particular aim, but in reality, when we wander without an aim, it's only by great good fortune that we wind up someplace good. I think that this poem can be read I'm not saying it can be read only this way, but I think this poem could be read as if the speaker sees himself, it doesn't say that it's male, but sees himself as having just come from the place out of space, out of time, in the same way that Plato sees all beings existing in some Empyrean, and then when they are born, they forget what they knew before they, their projection onto this earth. We are all imperfect here on the earth, but we had some perfection previously. And just before, at least in, in my uh, copy of the poem, before it says, for the last time, I have wandered home but newly, in the preceding stanza, it says, and thus the sad soul that here passes beholds it, meaning 
though the the route that it's come through, mm-hmm. but through darkened glasses. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of one Corinthians here. Mm-hmm. Poe was a very learned man, mostly autodidact, but very learned. Um, now we see as through a glass darkly, but then we will be known. This sounds like a platonic view of the world with this incredible difference. If if we take the platonic view that's adopted by the early Christian church before Thomas Aquinas accommodates Aristotelian philosophy for Christianity, if we take early Christian theology, we are all born into original sin, but the place we come from, heaven, Mm -hmm. and the place we return to, heaven, these places, in those places, we are pure, right? The soul is pure. If you get to go to heaven, that's terrific. But those newly born into this fallen realm, we come with us, we bring with us original sin. So these lines describing what that place is, that other place, not these lands that we all inhabit, but those lands that you can see on that route in night with your eyes closed, that's the lands where there are lonely waters, lone and dead. They're still waters. It still has a lot of meanings, but one of the things that it means is the still for still life. That is, it looks like life, but it's really dead. Mm-hmm. Still and chilly with the snows. It's water, should be fertility, but it's cold. It produces nothing. It's white, should be purity, but it doesn't lead to valuable experience with the snows of the lolling lily and the white lily um stands for purity and innocence um i i I took a look at kate greenaway's famous uh victorian language of flowers and she just says it flat out white lilies purity innocence but uh, and in medieval iconography which pope probably was well aware of um growing up in New York and Baltimore, for instance, um, the lily, the white lily, is one of the two main images for the Virgin Mary. So that kind of purity and innocence could be very productive. But in this line, with the snows of the lolling lily, which gets repeated just five lines later down in my Mm -hmm. version of the poem, the lily is is lolling. Its head is, is falling downward. It's it's not really purposeful. It, it's not energetic. The snows, in fact, are getting nowhere. So as I read this, I kind of think, here's someone trying to feel good about being in this world because he's gotten out of the world of death. It's, it's not as if we come from a land of eternal life. We're born onto earth and then we return to a land of eternal life. It's more as if we come from a land of eternal death. Hmm. We're born imperfectly into these lands newly, and then we go again, ultimately, like those friends who passed us on the route, back to a land of eternal death. Yeah, there's a, there, the, the question of where the, where the narrator is, is is completely ambiguous and, and can, or ambivalent, I should say, could be that these these lands are the day lands, not the night lands. These lands are the the waking lands, not the sleeping lands. 
but if he is speaking it for his life, it works as well. Between uh, living in the land of the forms before we're born and living in the mortal world and then returning to the land of the forms, as Plato would suggest, um, there are visits with with the forms. And indeed, shaping is another name for dream. The Morpheus, to change shape, right, yeah. is another name for dream. So as he begins the poem, it starts, I have reached these lands but newly. And it, he ends the poem, I have wandered home but newly. So are these lands the same lands at the beginning as they are at the end? The bottomless veils and boundless floods and chasms and caves and titan woods, these uh, are these the lands of dream? I don't remember being born. I know that I did get here, but my route was obscure and lonely. I have stories that people tell me about how I was born here, but I don't remember exactly how I got here. I just seem to be here now. And in passing to my death, I won't know how I get to the new place exactly. There isn't a doorway in the normal sense, and yet that's exactly what he says. He says, from an ultimate dim thule, from a wild, weird climb that lieth sublime, out of space, out of time. And as the Wikipedia entry for this story notes, every version of this poem insists that the line out of space out of time, not be in line with the rest of the of right. the stanzas. Right, and this is the this is the 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 pull quote from this poem that everybody knows and everybody remembers. Uh, Robert E. Howard uses it to start a uh, a story about a, a King Cull, a story called "The Mirrors of Tuzunthun, in which King Cull questioning himself and questioning his purpose goes to a wizard and asks uh, I hear you you can conjure demons and the wizard says yes I can conjure a demon right now if I were to slap you in the face right? he's, he's, he's questioning everything that we were looking at out of space out of time I don't know where dream dreamlands are but i visit them every night i don't know how i get there but when i do i do see dead people alive again and it seems perfectly normal and it also seems frightening and surprising indeed i i recall talking to someone once i i don't want to give much detail because i don't want the person to be identifiable but he was a man of late middle age who had lost a son as a young who was a young adult when he passed and I had known his son um, he came to me and asked for memories of the boy he was trying to to flesh out his his understanding of what his son's life meant even when he wasn't with his son when we passed uh, when we when we were about to part I wished him uh, peace, and he said the only peace he had was when he dreamt. And I said, oh, 
And he said, yes, because sometimes, and he gave his son's name, I'm with my son when I dream. And I said, um, is that a comfort? And he said, it is, but it never lasts long enough. And that that's, I think, a, uh, a combination of the positive and negative, much like what you were suggesting before, Jesse. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd like to say that whether you think of the speaker, one thinks of the speaker as being in our world and reflecting, reporting on the world out of space, out of time, the same way that man could tell me about his dream and you and I could exchange uh, narratives of our own dreams. Um, whether or not we think of that man, the speaker here as being out of uh, space and time as he speaks or in our world, I, I think he's in our world, that land out of space and time is rife with mythological references that obliterate space and time. And, uh, St. Augustine said that Christ dies for us daily, by which I think he meant that, um, as, as a believing Christian, that the act of self-sacrifice that Augustine sees in Jesus is a continuing reality, as at the uh, the Passover service, the the leader of the the seder is to instruct the children to say to understand that we were there at Mount Sinai. This is not some ancient historic story we're being told. We were there at Mount Sinai uh, to see the the deliverance of the of the tablets. Um, there there is in the mythological world something that is out of space and out of time. Mm-hmm. And I see this here in this poem again and again and again with many different examples of the mythic. For instance, you read that the bottomless veils and boundless floods and chasms and caves and titan woods um, are there in this land out of space and t- out of time. Well, you know, the titans, the titans wanted to be able to scale Mount Olympus. And these giant demigods, they piled one mountain on top of another. And at that point, Zeus noticed them, and he and the other gods overthrew them. And so here we have uh, an ancient Greek version of the myth of the Tower of Babel. Right? But we also have a permanent toppling of mountains. Mm-hmm. Which mountains toppling evermore exactly into seas without a shore exactly how can a sea have no shore how can a mountain topple forever because it's doing it out of space and out of time it's a permanent condition it is the condition it's the existential situation of myth mm-hmm. in that same way um, the he comes back from ultimate dim thule from a wild, weird climb that lieth sublime. Um, Each of those words has important meanings, it seems to me, but the word weird, I'd like to focus on for just a moment. The word weird, which nowadays in modern uh, English we tend to mean as quite unusual, isn't that awfully strange? Um, What a weird thing for someone to say, comes from an old English word meaning fate. And really, you can see um, that 
when something just sort of happened and how did that happen? It's just too amazing that it happened. Like, you know, I was walking down the street the other day and uh, my friend who I thought was 100 miles away, suddenly I turned the corner and there he was. Wasn't that weird? Um, you can see the connection between fate and even our modern use of the word weird. Well, the word weird is what is usually applied to the three witches in the first scene of Macbeth, the weird sisters. And in that first scene of Macbeth, the, after they have uh, made their brew, the second witch says, I feel by the pricking in my thumbs that something wicked this way comes. Then there's a knock on the door and she says, let it in. And it's mm -hmm. Macbeth. Macbeth is wicked even before Lady Macbeth spurs him on. From the very first scene of, um, of that story, he is the something wicked that this way comes. Now, why do I bring this up? Just because the word weird is here? No, for two other reasons. First, because fate seems to be part of what's behind this poem. We are fated in these lands to which we newly come to have imperfect knowledge of the permanent forms of things. And the second is, what we find there is that this is a place, the gray woods that have a swamp where the toad and the newt encamp. Well, those are two of the main ingredients that the witches mm -hmm. throw into their brew. Um, the very next line, at least in my version, is by the dismal tarns and pools where dwell the ghouls. Mm. Well, ghouls, of course, are comes from an Arabic word, the gulls, G-H-U-L in English, that are grave robbers and feed on the dead. And so these are the real denizens of, of one of the lands out of space and out of time. The word dismal kind of got to me for a minute. And I wondered where it came from. I mean, we all know that it means... Uh, Really crummy, really lousy, really bad. Double bad, dis and mal. But actually, that's not where it comes from. I mean, it sounds like that. It does mm -hmm. sound like bad and bad, right? And it and maybe for an English speaker that that's that's enough because we get those associations. So I don't say no to it. But etymologically, it comes from Deus Malice. It comes from evil days. And there was according to the Romans, an Egyptian notion that two days per month were in fact unlucky. Egyptian astrologers, when they gave out the, the, the months, you know, and they said, well, he, these are the days and so on. You know, people didn't just have printed calendars then. They had to do their own astronomy. When they were told, well, this is the day and this will happen now. And the calendar would say, and these two are the, the unlucky days. And dismal actually comes from that. These are the days when things go bad. And so this comes from the world of astrology, Egyptian astrology. We've got Macbeth. We've got Christianity. We've got ancient Greece. I mean, in all of these places, the existential ontology the, the way of being is out of space and out of time. So at the end, when he says, the speaker, um, I have wandered home, but newly.
from this ultimate dim Thule. I get this. I'm going back to your notion of, of good and bad simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I get this notion that it's not just happy, happy home, but it's the best you can do as a human being because there is no real heaven. The, the eternal land beyond the world we live in is one of ghouls, death, shades, phantasms, apparitions, falseness, delusion, loneliness, coldness, frozen fertility. This is the and best we can do. And yet Poe, who's long dead, is still alive, giving us this wonderful poem. Ah, that's a happy thought on which to stop. I agree. But of course, (laughs) there is always more to say. There is.